Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. What if you could go back in time and change the past? Would it destroy the future? Tomorrow, Timeless premieres. This guy went back in time trying to rewrite history. It could change the present in ways we can't predict. Critics are calling Timeless thrilling, eye-popping, full of action and adventure. Who are you? We're actually... This is Dr. Dre. I'm Nurse Jackie. We're from General Hospital. Timeless. Season premiere after The Voice. Tomorrow on NBC. Hey guys, what's happening? Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Fear the Walking Dead Season 2 finale after show for AfterBuzz TV. That episode was insane. Two hours of content. We can't wait to break down everything for you. I got Simon Thompson here. We're going to see you guys in just a second. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, AfterBuzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. We are coming to America. We're I told here. you. Well, well, we are right here, actually, right now. Yeah. Told you. What you call it? They're coming to America. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I did. I called that weeks ago. And also, 100%. Neil Diamond, Happy Rosh Hashanah. Happy Rosh Hashanah to all our Jewish fans so, of the show. Yeah, absolutely. So, great timing. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the show. I guys. don't want to think they did design the finale of the season around Neil Diamond and or, Rosh Hashanah or Rosh Hashanah. Just putting it out there. Yeah. So. I don't think they did, but you know what? If some people believe they did and it, it's good for them, then great. Yeah. I'm hats We're off. okay with people thinking that. You already took your hat off, so hats off. I did. Yes, I, <laughs> although I have it here, if you yeah. need me to put it back on again. Suddenly realized before we were going live that I still have my hat on. Yeah. Hey, it's okay, man. So, my lucky hat. It's your lucky hat? What I, makes I, don't have a, I don't know why I said I have a lucky hat. I oh. don't have a lucky hat. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah. Well, that went well. Yeah, guys, welcome to the show. Yeah. Welcome to After Buzz TV. This is the Fear of the Walking Dead Season 2 finale episode after show. Yeah. Uh, it was two hours long. A lot of crazy stuff happened. Um, I'm your host, Ben Bateman, joined today by Mr. Simon Thompson. Hello. Uh, I'm Simon Thompson. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at ShowbizSimon, on Instagram too, and on Facebook, this is Simon Thompson. Uh, Ashley Chapman is normally in the third seat. She is not here tonight, unfortunately. She, she's sad to miss. She got taken by yeah. by the walkers. By someone with a very particular set of skills. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Liam Neeson zombie. Yeah, yeah uh, no, she couldn't make the show this evening, unfortunately. Yes, but she will watch it. And if you tweet at her, at Ashley underscore Chapman, yes. uh, she will be able to respond to you about her thoughts. If you guys particularly would like to hear what she has to say, yes. she's going to be telling us. Uh, you can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter and Instagram. And, uh, of course, guys, if you can follow along and give us a rating or review on iTunes, it helps us stay high in the standings. We provide free content here at After Buzz TV. We'd like to continue doing that. And a way to do it is if you help us with a good rating and review. So leave your thoughts below in the comments, and uh, we'll check everything and we'll respond to you. But let's get into the episode. Actually, wait, wait, wait. It's a big thing. It is the big thing. It's a birthday week for you. It is birthday week. I'm officially um, older <laughs> than I was before my birthday. Ah, oh, 29 comes but once, once in a once, lifetime. Once uh, in your life, um, if you live for 29 years. Yeah. Otherwise, it doesn't. Special. They don't make cards for that. No. Do they? 
I looked at Walgreens. They didn't have a. They didn't. <laughs> well, you went to 29. Walgreens. Yeah. Excellent. I bought us this uh, this sparkling for your birthday. Yes. So uh, if I'm going to spill it. I think if Thank I reach you. too far across the table here. Do, do we have to do that thing that they do in the movies where we toast for for Ashley because she's not here? Like, yeah. Here's one for my homies. That's right. Was that? You like, should do that. Was that your doctor? That evil? was my doctor evil. That was your Doctor Evil. Throw me a bone here. Yeah, right. Thank you. Those are good movies. Thank you. They were, they are good <laughs> movies. I I had that conversation with the director of those movies just very recently. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I broke into his house and said, "I love you, films." Who directed those movies? Jay Roach. Oh, mm. I love the first one. You learn you learn stuff on this. You, you know, uh, the first Austin Powers. I've argued many times if you were mm. going to make the uh, top ten comedies of the nineties, I think the first Austin Powers absolutely makes that list because it's okay. ni- ninety nine. I think. Uh, yeah. Yes. Let's talk about the show. Let's um, do that. Shall we? Yeah. <laughs> so we the, the Walking Dead. Yes. Yeah, so let's cheers to Ashley and then we'll get into the show. Exactly. Let's do that. So and we uh, miss you, Ash. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to you. Um, so, guys. Yeah. Mm. A lot went on, but we've been kind of hoping that that would be the case pretty much since the start of the second half of the season. It's been a bit meandering to get to this kind of, well, crazy. It was craziness. A great it, finale. It went crazy. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. And uh, absolutely, it's been meandering. I think we've alluded many times in, in conversations on this panel about the fact mm. that it seems like they stretched out season two by about seven or eight episodes yeah. in a way to bridge to season three. Um, and it really did feel that way tonight because so many things wrapped up. We got things that were missing from this show in general. Yeah. Um, the first one that we looked at each other was like Nick has that moment where he gouges out the zombie's eyes. Yes. And it was like, where has this been? That's exactly the kind of thing that makes the, it makes these kind of shows awesome. They're gory, they're gruesome, they're intense. Mm. Like, it was just like, yeah, you're jamming your thumbs through the eye sockets into the brain of the walker. Well, that was even after Zombie Attacks pushes him over the thing, and it's just like, hang on, where has this been for the last ten plus episodes? But it does go to show that when Fear the Walking Dead turns it on... It turns it on and it turns it up. Well, I think season one... So they can deliver these moments. Season one largely was very good. The pilot especially was great. Yeah. And I think that the first half of season two was quite good. Yeah. Quite compelling. It was just a lot of the stuff towards the end of the first half of the second season and then a lot of the stuff in the second half that slowed down. It wasn't so much that it was... I wouldn't ever go as far as to call it bad. It was just that it was... No. It it didn't... uh, it was uneven, is what you said. Yeah. I think that's the best way to put it. And I think even the s- strong episodes, there were kind of things that really worked that had clearly had a lot of thought. Yeah. And things that kind of didn't. And there was a little bit of that tonight because afterwards we, we had a little discussion because thank you to everybody for being very patient with the show this evening. There's a lot of shows going on tonight, so we were a little bit delayed, so thank you for that. Um, but we noticed that uh, uh, kind of the only negative thing about the, the two episodes tonight was the fact that, talking of loose ends, we saw... Well, I think the problem was not what we saw, it's what we didn't see. People kind of disappeared and we yeah. lost characters, either really quickly or without any reason. People who've kind of been a key part of scenarios before. Really good one that stands out to me is Eileen, the mother of the bride, yeah. who a couple of episodes ago seemed to be quite, you know, a, a character that was going to have something to do, was going to have, yeah. you know, some sort of clash in there. And we haven't seen her since she stabbed Strand. And obviously now we've left... The hotel, I don't see the show going back to the hotel. Right. So what happened to her? It kind of... She's locked in a hotel room, I guess. Yeah, I guess. She's dead. Or something. I maybe. Mean, maybe they Busy. felt that the only relevant part of her contribution to the story was being, you know, stabbing and then being hidden in a room. So mm. uh, perhaps that's the thing. What, what I would like to do, because this is the final episode of the season. Yeah. Uh, and I think rather than 
I mean, we just watched essentially a feature film. That's the, the length of the episode we just yeah. watched. So rather than trying to break it down piece by piece, I think the thing to do would maybe just be to cover character by character. Okay, And I think good that'll idea. kind of weave the stories together. So sure. let's start with a character that we all saw this coming. Mm-hmm. Chris. Yeah. Start with Chris. Now, what did you think about Chris dying essentially not in the present tense? Like actually seeing his death happen in a convoluted memory. Well, I, you see, I'm kind of split on this one because I'm not entirely convinced that what was described as happening... Obviously, we knew their original version of, of what happened with the the truck flipping and, you know, him being yeah. in the front and then, oh, no, you know, what did they pull him out? Um, I still don't think that we know exactly what the truth of that situation is. So I think that even though we've seen on the show that Chris was put down... I don't. I think that was, as we saw other sort of versions of the events. I think that was just what Travis was led to believe. So I'm thinking that either they didn't put him down, he ran away, yeah, or and they just told Travis that they they killed him because they wanted to get what they wanted, which was to be set free, right? Um, or Chris actually got bitten by a walker. And I said this at some point because outside Colonia, there was a uh, a walker with dark hair and a light top, which was pretty much what Chris was wearing last time yeah. we saw him, kind of walking around. Nick, and I'm Nick wondering, by, yeah. yeah, Nick passed him, and I'm just wondering if that is actually what happened to Chris. And he, I, I think we're not, we're not going to see him again potentially. Yeah. But if we do, I think it's the other option of of the you he actually he ran away, got it, rather than. Well, anything else. I was thinking about what were what would the Bromigos' uh, real motivation... They're the so worst like, friends ever, aren't they? The worst. Yeah, the worst. What would their motivation really be to lie? Because if they could lead Travis to believe that there was that Chris had run away, yeah. let's say they could say that. Chris ran away. He was scared. He ran away. That would be enough. Like, they didn't hurt him, so maybe Travis would let them go. I mean, I'm trying to think what... Coming up with a lie... That involves killing him to yeah. his dad? That doesn't seem like a great way to get out safe and sound. His, okay, I think they said that they killed him because they thought that that might weaken Travis. That might break him. In which case, they were going to be good to leave. I don't think they thought that Travis... I think they thought Travis was a bit of a pussy, to be honest with you. He's acted like kind of one a lot of yeah, the show, Yeah, and I think the they've record. underestimated him. And I think they were kind of like, okay, well, if we tell him we killed his son, then, you know, he'll realise that, you know, yeah. Yeah, oh, this is terrible, I'm going to collapse, I can't take this on, and they're still going to be free to go. Yeah. But there's that resolution. They don't have to admit their own failure in a situation if he did indeed run away. Yeah. But also, they look like badasses. Right, and I think the the only thing they I mean you saw them in the, in the basement with with everybody else that they came in through the gates, yeah, they were kind of like they were making um derogatory statements about you know the the Mexicans that yeah. they had there, and the, you take them out of the situation, they realize that they're in trouble they they kind of turn into to kind of little sissies little yeah. sissies themselves, I agree. so I think they were kind of the reason they did it, I think was to. To either try and get what they needed, which was to to, to to get a car and get out, yeah, and then be safely on their way. And the easiest way was to break Travis and say, "Sorry, dude, we killed your son. 
I thought it was a strange decision for it to, for them to show us that in a yeah. memory like that. I, it's not necessarily bad. I just like was sort of undecided. There was a lot of tension building mm. throughout this season with how Chris's season was going to end. I think a lot of us suspected he was going to die, that Travis was probably going to have to kill him. I called last week that Travis was going to kill the Bromigos. Yeah. That he was going to have to kill them both and beat them to death. Yeah. Um, and that's exactly what happened. And I, I predicted that Chris would die. Yeah. And I think... Him beating them to death, I think, is a correct decision yep. for the show. That, to me, was like, yeah, people break. He broke. That's yep. exactly what you need to have happen for a character like that, for him to stay in the show and be believable. And there's no other way that they could have had Travis break that would have been believable, yeah. apart from going completely ape shits, which he did do. Yeah. There would have been no other situation within that. They would have had to create something completely new to see Travis switch like that. And I think if you had put Chris in the present tense in a situation mm. at the hotel and he had somehow died at those guys' hands and then Travis was to flip, I guess it would have been very kind of melodramatic and distracting. It's a lot to throw on the plate of this episode. So I actually think putting Chris, Chris's death in the past tense like that maybe is actually okay. That's like, that was kind of my justification thing about it was that I think if you try to set up a scene where somebody's holding a gun, and some, it, it's a lot. And I think you've got enough action with Chris not even being in the scene. Yeah. Already. So let's move to Travis, because we're already yeah. talking about him. Uh, Travis has, has now broken. He had some great interactions with Madison this episode. Uh, and she had some really interesting ways. It was really interesting to see. I mean, obviously, we saw last episode, um, or obviously, count tonight as one episode. Um, uh, it, last week, we saw Madison talking, uh, apologizing to Travis yeah. for um, what, how she reacted to, to Chris's behavior. Tonight, we saw Alicia do that. And I think it's almost like they wanted to absolve Travis and yeah. put Travis in a headspace where he was going to be okay to come with them to join, either to leave the hotel yeah. or to stay in the, the hotel and make him give him a reason for not going back out there. Um, so I think they just really needed him to get him on side. But, you know, it's it, Madison was fiercely protective of him. Yeah. So I think they all still felt that he was fragile. He hadn't, he was broken, but he hadn't gone broken with a capital B. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the episode starts and she yeah. and Travis are talking, right? Mm. And she realizes that these guys were Chris's guys. Yeah. So she tries to exile these guys without Travis knowing. Travis sees and he runs down and he does he does the thing that, that we've seen Madison do now where it's you become irrationally like causing a scene and all kinds of nonsense because yep. you, you want your kid back, which I totally get. Like I have no children, but I understand in the context of uh, when you're trying to drive characters to do anything in yeah. any storytelling, you need the stakes to be incredibly high. Mm. There are few stakes higher than your actual offspring. Like that's a that's a the, the well being of your offspring. I think seems to drive many characters to do right it's life or death. That's, yeah. So I think that's why Travis is yelling and he's you know what's where's my son where's Chris? And the scene happens with these guys and I think that the way he breaks, going a little crazy, he shuts the door on our boy's head who ends up getting brain surgery and going. Yeah. Um, but I I just think that Travis totally losing it was. It was so satisfying in the most sadistic way possible. It was like two seasons of this guy being so passive and not getting it just over and over and over and over again. You won't win by trying to talk people out of violence. It's not going to work in this world anymore. There's a couple references in the episode. The old rules don't apply anymore, mm. right? Madison says to Travis, in this new world. Yes, she does. She says this, this line, right? So, And then in their conversation, after he's killed these guys, she, she looks at him. She's like, you think you're bad. I'm worse. I understood what you had to do. Yeah. I'll understand when you do it again. Cause you're gonna have to do it again. And that was just like, whoa. She's like, 
You're you, you're a killer. I embrace you for being a killer. I think she tried to protect him for a while. She tried to bring him back from the edge by saying, you belong here, etc., etc. And then it was this whole thing where, obviously, he did suddenly explode. And that was, that was him kind of actually saying, I think mentally he wanted to be on the same level. Yeah. As, as Maddie, because obviously Maddie's progressed to that, and he's lost the only thing, aside from, from Maddie, that he actually had to hold it together for, which was Chris. Once he thought that Chris was dead, yep. he was like, well, I'm just going to go loco like Maddie and go serious badass. It's just that he went in a very uncontrolled way. Yeah. It wasn't voluntary. It was more of a pain and a more an emotional thing rather than a, a needing to do it, which Maddie appears to... You know, she has a reason for killing. Did you think? Did you think that Travis had it in him to like smash someone's head with his boot? No, I was quite surprised with that. I thought he was going to do it using implements yeah. and the so chair that, and stuff like that. And the glass, you saw glass. Yeah, on the shelf there was a point. lot of a lot of things. And when when one of the guys, um, I think it was um, Derek, who broke a chair. Yeah. On Travis. I thought Travis was going to utilize things like a broken chair leg yeah, like or something like leg. that. I thought the same Yeah. Thing. And I was like, ah, oh, okay, what's going to happen? But I was very surprised when he did the stamping on the head because that's, that's inhuman. I mean, obviously, kicking someone's ass to that level is quite inhumane anyway. But yeah. that's brutal. Absolutely. That's brute force. So. So this all happens. Yeah. Uh, that's that's where like our part one of the finale ends actually, and then it picks up with uh, with them you know seizing Travis essentially, mm. and throwing him into the uh, you know timeout, and uh, Maddie has a discussion with Strand and Alicia. You know we need to get Travis back. We'll leave with them is what Alicia suggests. Yeah. And um, str- well, we'll get to Strand in a moment. We'll, we'll wrap up Travis's story first, but uh, they get Travis back. They're going to leave in the morning, mm-hmm. and then our boy is it Oscar who's got. Was it Oscar whose head got smashed yeah. in the door? Um, or was it Marco? No, uh, no Marco's the Marco's bandit. Marco's the bandit. That's right, yeah. yeah, yeah. So Oscar's head that gets smashed in the door. I mean, let's just talk about that scene really quickly. Like, yeah. While we're there. Because that was like one of the more gruesome things I've seen on, on this show. Mm. That, was in, that was intense stuff. Alicia goes down there to talk to him. And he's like, well, his brain's swelling and I'm going to have to operate. So let me just take this box cutter. <laughs> yeah. Open I'm... his head up. And then was the drill? Of, I was like, wow. Yeah, I mean, they, they obviously wanted to, to, to... I mean, they explained it as they wanted to free up some pressure from his brain, but I don't know how experienced they were when it came to doing medical procedures. And I'm going to think that opening up someone's skull is probably not easy. No, I didn't even... And it's quite easy for you to accidentally kill somebody if you open up their skull. Like, let me just drill right next to your brain yeah. with this device. Yeah, considering the only thing you've done to check if they're okay is, is check their eyes. And it's like, I don't know... I don't know how how much doctoring have you done yeah. um, before you start trepanning people. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't... Whether he was going to survive anyway, I don't think it would have stopped the rift yeah. occurring. Right. I think that was a breaking point where they suddenly realised that there was a split in the group. Yeah. And it was Maddie's group against the hotel group. And that was kind of it. Did you... Were you at all... Like, did you question at all their decision to leave that once... once uh, uh, Oscar was dead, and they had stabbed. Why am I mixing all my names up now? You have you have Oscar. You have yep. the dude with the longer hair, the yep. cousin, uh, who he's not the one who gets stabbed. The guy who gets stabbed is the. <laughs> I should have them all written down in front of me. There was there was there's yep. Elena. Yep. Right. Yep. So Elena, her cousin. Yep. And then you have the two other guys. Yep. So the one of them is the guy whose head gets smashed. That's Oscar. 
You have the guy with the longer hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, in any case, one of them gets stabbed then. Alicia stabs him in yeah. the scene. So once he's dead, Oscar's dead. Were you surprised at all that Madison and Travis and Strand weren't like, you know what, we can probably just take control of this place because... No, I don't think so, because I think if you if you look at it, there's obviously, you know, the initial guys that were in there and now they have a, a load of other locals to, to look after. I think they realized that very quickly they had become effectively the gringos. They become the outsiders that they weren't they weren't going to control it. It didn't belong to them. It belonged to the maid now. Um, and it was it was back to being that party that was originally in the hotel. There's no way they could have come back from Travis. And I think they realized that in fact, actually their chances of survival were far better outside together as a group where you, you know, each other, you don't have to think about steps that people are going to take or anything they're going to do erratically or any kind of agenda there that they were just like, let's make a clean cut. I was quite surprised that strand stayed there though. Yeah, what I do you was think, quite surprised about that. What did you think his game plan was? They, they don't even show what happens. They, they drive away and strand is like, I'll manage. I'll take care of myself. Yeah, I think, well, I mean, he's, he said previously about the fact that he made the option, you know, he, he had the opportunity to kill himself at one point, and he decided not to do it. So I think he was kind of like, actually, you know, I see going out there, the risk out there. He's, he's very, he's a very good talker. He could talk them down. He will be their leader. He will be a very strong person now for them. And I think he sees that that would be his role moving forward. Yep. And looking after that group and leading that group, whether they want to do it within the hotel or eventually leave that unit. And I think he realizes that that Maddie and Travis and everybody, you know, they're strong enough to look after themselves. But these other guys, they're kind of, they're broken now. And he, you know, Strand did it previously. He pulled the group together when it was all very fractured. Yeah, he's you know, with Maddie. And I think he was also kind of a little bit like a scorned lover because obviously now Travis was back and Maddie's alliance is instantly switched to Travis. So Travis is like, I've got my wife back. And, you know, Chris, he'd already said that, you know, Chris is sick. You know, I couldn't see it. He's my son. They're back being a family unit. Madison was talking about being a family unit again. She's very much about proving to her daughter. So I think that's why they suddenly all realized that actually Strand, if Strand wants to survive, he needs to find a group that need him. Yeah. Rather than him being part of a group. Well, because he does say the line to Maddie, are you really going to leave for the man that abandoned you? Yeah. That's his line. Yeah, which, yeah. And I, there, was de- there was definitely, I liked that line because it definitely had that veiled sort of like, whatever Strand is into Madison for, mm. whether it's companionship, partnership, love. Yeah. Um, there was definitely a feeling of like, you're now abandoning me. But we I, don't even think, I don't even think it has to be any or all of those things. I think it's just the fact that there's a reliance of some kind, whether it's emotional or physical. I don't know. Right. Um, I don't know if there was anything really ever emotional or physical or sexual between the two of them. I think we would have seen some kind of tenderness. Yeah, I think um, so too. Rather than just purely talking about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think... for. Yeah, f- I don't think this will mean we've seen the last of Strand. No, I can't imagine. I can't. He's too strong a character and he's too good. So I think that this will be a case of paths diverting and then potentially coming back together again. I mean, I think it's a strong argument that he is the strongest character. Yeah. Um, so Andres is yeah. the one who gets stabbed. Right. He is, I believe, the, the brother. Mm-hmm. Of, and then Oscar is the guy whose head was smashed open. Yeah. And then there's the guy with the ponytail who's I, I'm looking at the cast list here and it's not even listed on the episode. So Ponytail guy. Ponytail guy, which is so dumb that I can't remember their name. Yeah, shame because he had some good lines. He did. He tonight had some really good roles. Yeah. So uh, in any case, that uh, pretty much wraps up what happens with Travis. Mm. They end up getting to this town and finding out where Nick's going, and that's pretty much that. Um, 
moving on from there, we, we've talked a bit about Maddie, so we will kind of cover her as well. Mm. She's involved in a lot of the same scenes. And, uh, yeah, I mean, is there anything Maddie went through this episode that we haven't actually covered already, that she wasn't in a scene with Travis? She didn't have a scene with Alicia tonight. She didn't yeah. have a scene with, with Strand tonight that was different. No, she was more of kind of the, the navigator for the group in this yeah. episode, which was quite weird because in, in other episodes she's very much been a, a, a catalyst. Yeah. But here she's been a peacemaker or basically, you know, she's been the walking sat-nav by, oh, we're going to go here, I know where Colonia is. She's the one that's putting all the clues together to move them forward, which is another reason why I think they they had to leave the compound, irrespective of Travis, because she's still hell-bent on finding Chris and kind of piecing... Nick, Nick, you mean. Uh, Nick and, yeah. and piecing together the little bits of the jigsaw that she's picked up yeah. through the last half of the season, so going to the, the, the grocery store and then obviously going to Colonia. Um, yeah, I, I think it's... It was kind. It was a little bit of a waste of her character because we have seen her being so ballsy. Yeah, she kind of did turn into more of a bit of a tour guide, really, uh, towards the end of the episode. And it didn't really. I felt that that for something that in the first episode tonight was very strong, and they were they were all moving forward. And there was a lot of we, we've already said, you know, sort of you know uh, uh, conversations about sharing and moving forward. It just was then like they got to Colonia, and it just kind of disintegrated a little bit yeah like the plan like they, they left those characters yeah in kind of a yeah kind of a dead place um i definitely i definitely think that you're right she was sort of the facilitator the tour guide tonight mm. um nick like nick abandoned her nick left so i yes i'm having a hard time understanding she seems to have these moments of realization like she has a moment of realization where she's talking to alicia i'm sorry i'm here for you you're my daughter things like that but she just doesn't seem to be able to let it go. It's a bit like spinning plates. I think when she thinks she's, you know, got Alicia happy again and Alicia's on side, she's like, well, I wonder what's happening to Chris. So she starts spinning the Chris plate again and going, oh, okay, I'm finding, you know, I'm getting close to Chris. And then it's like, oh, okay, oh, Alicia's upset again. So I think she's kind of doing that at the moment. I still think she's really torn between the two of them. Right. Um, exactly where where their roles now sit and I think, obviously, we've, we've seen Nick's change quite a few times. So I think she, as she sees them develop, she doesn't quite know where that sits with where she is and where she's progressing. So I don't know what... I don't know when she eventually... I'm assuming she'll eventually find Nick. Um, where... What that dynamic is going to be. Because I think what they're looking for in each other isn't kind of there anymore, if you know what I mean. It's It's kind of a weird... It's like round pegs in square holes. Right. Like, yeah. Even if he, she finds Nick, it's like, what are you going to get out of that? Mm. Like it. Now, well, we'll get to Nick in just a minute, but um, I agree. He's changed. Nick yeah. is, Nick has changed. She's changed. Everybody yeah. is evolving. And the amount, this, this amount of time that they decided to have our main character spend apart in the second season is really their understanding of the world they're in now. Because mm. they all understand in different ways the world they're in and take on these different roles to the people around them. It's like they won't fit together as a family unit in the same way that they did when the show started. Um, the there's, talk, go ahead. there's a thing in the chat room from um, Jonah Mars who says, um, does anyone else feel like Alicia is playing the obligated glue role in her family again? She seemed conflicted with having to leave. We did see a lot of that in the first half of this season where she did play that role. That did change. And like you say, you know, this, this shift in the roles, yeah. is she... It would be a little bit lazy if they did put her back into the glue thing because she's kind of yeah. really started to 
to come into her own. Well, let's talk about Alicia, because I think she had a couple of pretty relevant things happen tonight. Mm. Um, one of which is that she killed someone, a living person. Yeah. Uh, that's the first, that's her first kill, her first confirmed kill. Mm. Um, she, she definitely has been growing up as this season has gone. Yeah. Um, and we, we've talked about Carol watch a lot. And is it Alicia? Is it Ophelia? Who are we really watching? Um, even, even like, the, you know, the scene when they got to the compound, the Colonia, and Travis and Maddie once again say, get in the van. We'll just be a minute. It's, it's like, why? Yeah. I looked at her face and I looked at them and I was just thinking to myself, like, why would you even bother saying that at this point? She yeah. can handle herself so much better than you can. Aside from her actual physical stature is that she's a smaller person than you. Uh, maybe she's not as physically strong as you, Travis. She's probably as strong as Maddie. Mm. I mean... Like, why? In what way is she not equipped to do what you guys are equipped to do? But what I did find interesting was, as as you say that, what she's also very equipped to do is um, find equipments, forage, and set stuff up, because we saw that in the hotel a couple of episodes ago, where it was all going, you know, shit was hitting the fan, and she was going through rooms, picking out things that would be good as supplies, etc. We saw her working in the hotel, putting together kits so that people would have food and water, etc., etc. And then when they were outside Colonia... yeah. She had the option to go into the compound. Obviously, she'd been told to stay with with the vehicle. But she also had the chance to go to the other vehicles and search for weapons, supplies, yeah. batteries, torches, all that kind of thing. And she chose to go and look to, to eventually find Alejandro for no apparent reason, because obviously he'd driven away. Yeah. So couldn't see him from where she was in Colonia. To go and explore and join the others, rather than to stay and perhaps do the... The, the prepping, the foraging, the the groundwork thing, which was seemed like a different kind of decision for her. Well, she's definitely growing up and she's coming in her own. And yeah. I, and she's actually, I think since the beginning of the show, and mm. you, I mean, we all know that I have some, some something of a, um, I have something of a crush on her as an actress. I think she's great. Have you? Yeah. I think really? she's great. Um, that has never come up before. Uh, but all that being said, I think that her character has yeah. evolved really wonderfully yeah. like I think and I think this season especially they've done some awesome awesome stuff um, especially especially like as you said her decision to go and look in the in the bus like that is, is so much more of a I'm gonna take control I'm not only gonna like I'm not only gonna like see the way things are laid out and choose to do X, Y, or Z thing mm. but I'm gonna go like search out something Yeah, I'm gonna go see what's going on and this maybe they missed it I'm gonna go do this thing um, which is great, and, and she becomes a much more valuable character the more of that we do. So. I think as far as characters being drawn, I like the way that Maddie's gone. I think um, Alicia's exceptionally strong, um, and Strand. I think they're my three favourites that I think they've been handled the best and most interestingly through the season. Yeah. Well, I think Travis has done very well, um, but I just, I mean, a lot of the others have kind of been good, or they kind of come in and out, or they've been, you know, oddly sporadic. Um, but I think, you know, she is the one of the most interesting characters and the one that I'm probably moving into season three, the most interesting to see where her, her role goes within the dynamic of the group and you know, what happens with that. She's also from a, uh, she's also really fit. So uh, <laughs> she's really fit. She's really attractive. She looks great. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say also from a, from a uh, standpoint of like, um, selling a show with like a sort of like marquee person who's like hot in the, She's the person right now. Yeah, she's one hundred percent everywhere. She's like even Frank Delane, who seemed like when they launched the show, it was the two of them. Yeah, he seems to have faded a little bit. Her star is like very bright right mm. now, which is cool for the show. It's mm. cool to have her on the show. So um, I have a feeling they will give her quite a bit because it seems to be in their best interest. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, but overall, I mean, her moment having to having to take out uh, Andres. Yes. Um, not surprising. I didn't find it surprising, actually. I, I felt like she was pretty ready to, to do something like that. Yeah, and it, it's, it was funny the way that she was... She approached him and handled him prior to his death very uh, with a tenderness that I don't think has been afforded to many humans in the show. Um, it's either been quite brutal or, or, you know, or something else. There hasn't been a great deal of tenderness. There's been a sense of urgency. Yeah. You know, there hasn't... So for her to take the time to find this guy that she hadn't seen, to lay him out, to put, you know, to have his head, and everybody was really calm around it. It was possibly the calmest death yeah. that has been an almost ceremonial yeah. in, in the show of the first season or the second season. Um, everything else has been quite sporadic or in a situation or a, yeah, a moment right. or something. But this was maybe a moment for them to just take stock and pause, and there was a, a respect... Yeah, for putting a human, and it makes sense too. She's one. Of, she's one of yeah. the youngest characters on the show, and she mm-hmm. just had to kill someone in cold blood. And it was out of a sense of obligation to protect yeah. her family. Your initial question that brought us into the subject of Alicia was: Is she playing that glue role again? Is she yeah. doing things out of obligation? And it seems like she is. She's doing things out of obligation to a sense of family, a sense of, I mean, that feeling of leaving. Yeah, with you know, with Travis. Travis is not her father. Yeah, it's her stepfather, mm-hmm. and she, you know, he questioned her. He apologizes for it. He approaches her and he says, I'm sorry, I didn't believe you. You know, Chris is my son. He's sick. Um, and I didn't believe you. And I, you know, I put you in danger. And I think that's a grown-up thing of her to do, to get past that and say, you know, I'm leaving. with Maybe maybe it's for out of love entirely for her mom. Yeah. And knowing how much Madison loves Travis. I think there's an element of, of being the glue there. But I think she is, you know, like I said earlier with the her going, you know, her deciding to go in and, you know, go, go into the compound rather than, you know, looking for things in the... Um, in in the trucks, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I think there is an element of the glue, but I think that it will change moving into season three because now Maddie has Travis, so doesn't necessarily need to be the driving force for her mum or the sounding board for her mum because they're back together as a team. So I think we will see her move away from needing to be the glue, which we kind of has been a little bit, yeah. you know, to now. I think we'll see that in season three becoming less of a case right i think the writing will allow that to expand a little bit and for her role to change hmm. yeah i could see that i could absolutely see that let's uh let's continue moving down the line so we we referenced strand briefly yeah he wasn't in the episode very much he had no he wasn't scenes. and i have to say he's, he's recovered very well from his stabbing i mean i, I, I said Quickly. about two or three episodes ago that 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 added something to the show which i think we needed which was a you know a ticking element yeah you know and and that very quickly disappeared as, as as quickly as Eileen disappeared, the the mother of the bride. Yeah. Um, you know, he seemed to be from being like, Oh my god, I need drugs, I'm on death's door to being like, Oh, I'll just put my hoodie on. Yeah, right. I'm gonna come out and, you know, do this and that. He, he wasn't doing too much though. He, he was, wasn't he was, doing he, much. He was moving kind of gingerly with his hand on his stomach. Yeah. He has a couple moments where he's holding a gun. Maybe he's got diarrhea. I think he's just been stabbed. Okay. <laughs> I think that's Stabbing would probably be the number one cause for it. I'm just saying sometimes if you drink water, you can get a dicky tummy. He might have shit himself while recovering from being stabbed. <laughs> it happens. You don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no reason to suggest that. There is no reason to so, suggest that didn't happen. I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong. Next time we see him, we'll ask him. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Diego. 
Yeah. Shit self? Yeah, absolutely. No, nah, no. Nah. Um, so, uh, but, but, uh, his most interesting scene was absolutely the scene talking to Madison where he does say the line, you know, you're going to leave, leave for the man that abandoned you. He, mm. And then he also says, um, I think it's, I guess it's in the scene before actually when Madison first addresses him about these guys, mm. um, who she references as men. It got yeah. me thinking a little bit, you know, in the real world, guys like that of that age who act like that, who sound like that, I wouldn't. Maybe I'd call them men. I, I feel like I would call them boys. They seem like kids. They yes. seem like they're college kids. Yeah. Um, once you get into the world of survival of the fittest and every man for himself and strength is what wins, mm. uh, I guess being an able-bodied adult makes you a man or, or a woman. Yeah, like, I mean, I don't think they had the physical strength or the, the, the mental strength. I mean, I thought, you know, the bromigos were just... So they were... They they had big mouths, but I yeah. think they certainly didn't have any of the intellect or any of the brawn to back that up. And as soon as anyone called them on anything, they shat themselves. So I don't think he would look at them as men in a, they're fully grown men. Man, they're grown. Man. I think it was purely from a, 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 they are male point of view. I guess it just sort of like if you look back into like... Uh... I don't know, like uh, like Native American societies when kids go out on hunts, mm. like they by the time they're sixteen, if they have like enough body mass and strength to be a, like, they're considered to be essentially like men, like able-bodied parts of the tribe. Yeah, you know, same thing with women. I think it's just interesting when you when you think about the designation of girl versus woman, man versus uh, boy. Like, yeah, it does change in a, in an environment where it's determined largely on your ability to physically survive. That's like what determines your. Are you a grown-up or not? Or do you think Strand still sees it as a bit of a... Is he a bit sexist? Where he's like, it's men, and then women are kind of not as strong as men. A lot of people think there's an element of that. So writing characters that way is not disingenuous. Yeah, I mean, whether he meant that in a deliberately sexist kind of way, or whether it was just a subconscious thing, where they're they're men, so they're therefore stronger, and he's seen the fragility of some of the women and how Mm. fractured they can be in the show. Um, and especially with Maddie, as she can swing between this thing. Yeah, maybe so. I, I think um, in that conversation where, you know, she walks up and she's like, what, what does she say? Um, Chris is, I think it's, I think when she's like, like, Chris is gone. And he's like, that's tragic. And or something like that. Yeah. I don't know if it was in reference to that line, but like, he's just like, so to the point. And then she explains what's happened. And she says, should I tell Travis? And I liked his explanation in that scene of, yeah, I, I used to be able to think that Thomas was out there. Yeah. I can't think that anymore. But it was about, yeah, talking about hope, for, basically for, for the hope. You, you, the reason you have hope is because you're going to someone who is alive, that yeah. you know they're there at some point down the road. Um, and can, can Travis handle the truth if he knows that hope isn't there? Right. Then he's just going to, you know, collapse. And he kind of did. He did. I, like he says. He it's was a, right. It's a very dark place. Yeah. I don't know if he could handle it. And she says he would, it would break him. So, yeah. And uh, she's right. I thought. I just, I, just, I just love how matter-of-fact Strand is. I think. He's very uh, observant. He has, yeah, that's a great. Very thing. observant. He is very observant. I, yeah. I love his ability to recognize that in himself. That yeah. I used to be able to hold out hope. But even in Thomas. moments of chaos, he's possibly the most observant of the group because he is he able to to strategize and 
find out exactly where everybody else's mental state is and where they are kind of on a on a spectrum of yeah. completely solid to losing their shit. He is such a survivor. Yeah, he is. I think he naturally has that instinct. And I think that comes from him being a, a con man. Yeah, totally. He, yeah, he's always looking for the angle. So yeah. um, I think that pretty much covers Strand on the episode. Yeah. He, he's only in it a bit. So um, moving to, we'll, we'll use her as the bridge and then mm. get into the Colonia stuff. Um, Ophelia. We get like two scenes of Ophelia. Through. Yeah. Uh, Ophelia is walking and the car breaks down and she, like, how, we see a lot of scenes where people are driving on the road and yeah. the thing that the scene starts with is their car breaking down mm-hmm. um, in zombie world. How often do cars break down in zombie world and how often is that just the place that they decide to open the scene because it's a it's a totally, like, logical place to start a scene. This is the, otherwise you're just, like, filming somebody driving their car. Right? Yeah. Like, it just makes, it seems like a whole lot of cars break down in the Walking Dead world. Well, there is that, but also if you think of the environment and right. the fact that a lot of these vehicles might not necessarily be in particularly good condition. So it is a little bit convenient that they do will keep breaking down, but I assume they overheat and there's a lack of gas and a lack of water and water, stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm trust me, I'm no mechanic, but I would think that that might be the case. Um, but yeah, I mean, we uh, it, it, the beginning hit, well, as I call it, hammer time, um, <laughs> where she went absolutely crazy with the toolkit. Uh, there was an element of that for me where I was like, this is kind of what we saw with Nick earlier in the season where he took a vehicle, the vehicle broke down, there were walkers, right. he walks off with water. I'm like, great, we're going to see her eating cactus, vomiting and drinking her own piss again. Yeah. And, but then we didn't see her for a long time right. until she crossed the border. And got shot at. And got shot at by some crazy guy in camo. His camo wasn't very good because I could see him. So to be honest with you, you need to get new camo, dude. He shot at her from a distance. Yeah. Twice. Yeah. Then she ran and hid behind a tree with a knife. Yeah. Seemingly prepared to stab him. Praying. Then he walked up and she like went for the lunge and stopped. Yeah. And he didn't shoot her. No. I Like, what a weird way to set that scene up. I thought the whole interaction was so strange. Do you want to know where I think that's going? Where? I think, obviously, he just thought that she was a random Mexico who, Mexican who'd come across the border. So yeah. he might be, a, you know, a bit of a, I don't like Mexicans coming over the border type person. Yeah. I think we're going to see if this is going to be either someone that her father knew. Hmm. Might not be the case. My right. other idea is the fact that he might be a random who's maybe collecting women in a serial killer mentalist kind of way. Huh. Just thinking, because if you're if you're a bit of a crazy sex pervert, uh-huh. and you have the chance to go out and grab women who are randomly wandering around, give them a chance for survival. Yep, take them away and have a little commune of of women and oddityness. Yeah. Right, it's a post. It's a, it's a kind of post apocalypse. Is a good time to do that. I would imagine. You would imagine. Yeah. I've yeah. never done it. Nor have I. Okay. I've never been in the post-apocalyptic world or or rounded no. up random women as a serial killer. No. But, but if that was a thing that somebody did in a story, I could see it. They they did set up... Um, I thought it was interesting, like, it's just something that they... That, like, television... maybe And maybe it's just our culture does this, but, like, he walked up and, like, it was a very, like, sort of submissive exchange. Mm. She, would, like, put her knife down. She was on her knees. He has a gun. Like, I was like, huh. What a weird thing. They don't give us any dialogue. She doesn't stand up. Mm. She doesn't she doesn't even try to stab him. I just was like, 
I couldn't figure out the exchange. Well, uh, uh, Johnny Rico in the chat says um, uh, he was also getting some very odd vibes from that dude that took Ophelia. So I think we are going to see something that creepy that's in there, whether it's sexual, whether it's, you know, I'm collecting women to do something. something I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Um, but I think that's something that we'll see for, for season three. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, and at least, at the very least, they're trying to get us to think that because yeah. that's probably why they give us the dialogue. I certainly don't think we've seen the last of her. I I think they could mean that potentially where she's tailed off in the second half of this season once she left the hotel. I think she could potentially be one of the main storylines in, in season, season three. three. Yeah. It could we could see her situation being the opener. Yeah, I could see that. Um, all right, so moving on from Ophelia into yeah. the Colonia storyline. We yeah. have a couple things going on. We have a uh, lot of stuff going on there. Yeah, yeah. So Nick uh, decides that he is going to wake up in the middle of the night and mm. he is going to steal these drugs and he's going to go and see Marco and he's going to yeah. offer to Marco take these drugs i've got oxy yeah i'll start making deliveries and marco's like no actually i uh, i killed that little girl and her parents sorry about um, that yeah i don't care at all i'm gonna go and kill everyone mm-hmm. so if you want to just go back gringo because i like you because you've got balls man um you know if you guys want to run if you just up. like people because they've got balls that means you basically like most men right yeah he seems okay. like he was a fan of his balls do you have balls yeah yes i do then we can be friends yeah right um so, uh, so, so Nick runs back and mm-hmm. he decides to tell uh, Alejandro that uh, no, this is not going to fly. They found us; they're going to kill us. Yeah, uh, and he tells his girl they're going to they're going to leave, and she's like, "There's faith. Faith is the only thing that protects us." And Nick is getting frustrated, and then she has a line to him that is like, I think, like the turning point for him when she's like, "Do what you do, Nick. Run." Um, which to me was. How old do you think their two of them are supposed to be? Nick's like probably nineteen. Is that about right? Yeah, I think she's early twenties. She's a little older than him. A little seems. bit older, but not not that much older. Twenty two, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I would. It seems like she's just a few years older. Yeah. Um, by the end of all of this, once Nick has decided he's going to stay and come up with a plan and, and get everybody to flee, and kind of like run things with her. With well, Luciana. he only stayed once he saw what was over the border. Yeah. Right. He was he was kind of going like, yeah, screw this. Right. You think that that was really the only thing that turned him back? You didn't think you had any sense of guilt from leaving? I think he probably had a sense of guilt, but I think he was probably... There was an element of F you for her. Yeah. Because she, she had him pinned because he does tend to run. Yeah. And so I think there was a bit like, well, screw you. You can stay here and fight for yourself. I'm not going to help protect everybody. Yeah. And also, like, there's so much talk of, like, faith in the Colonia that's, yeah. like, he's just like, are you, you guys are stupid. What are you talking about? Yeah, he's no completely given up on any kind of faith, whether it's religious or anything else. Well, I mean, rightfully so. He was in the middle of, essentially, a small cult. Uh, Alejandro was using, I mean, Alejandro's line, yeah. my people, um, you know, and uh, and he and he says, um, uh, where is it? I have it written down here. Um, you mean you he says you mean they could build it to protect you yeah uh which you know he he really sort of sees through when he sees the fear once he gets bitten yeah uh that it's it's all over and that this guy was full of it and he was full of it Mm. and i know it's supposed to suggest this idea that that faith is worth something just for being faith that's the point the point is that this given these people strength and whether and that's what alejandro thinks too that if you keep these people, you know, as a community and you keep yeah. them together, they can have a better shot at protecting themselves based on their faith, even though it was a false faith because he wasn't immune. And his, obviously, you know, uh, uh, Nick's viewpoint is the fact that, yeah, but if your faith is based on something that's completely pointless and and false, yeah, then it's completely worthless. Yeah, it's like a false prophet. Type of yeah. Thing. But obviously then, ironically, he comes back with faith right. and says, 
I found a potentially way out, saw these choppers. One thing that confused me about the choppers... Yeah. There's not a lot of noise generally around these areas, around Colonia and stuff like that, because obviously there's not the hubbub of, of daily life, the yeah. traffic, etc., etc., the mewing of cows. Um, you would hear a chopper on the wind Even in if, the distance, yeah. I would think. Something. Probably. Or maybe see one flying over or something. Yeah. I would have thought you would have seen that. Maybe. I mean, maybe it's a newer, maybe it's like a newer thing. Maybe the choppers hadn't been there in a while. Maybe they just showed Could up. be. Yeah. Um, I, so once once we get to the scene yep. here, so so Marco shows up with his guys. They they get in. They get you know cleverly trapped, and they all they all die. Um, and Nick takes the whole Colonia with Luciana in kind of a you know kind of like a mom and dad leading the flock kind of thing. And this was an interesting turn for Nick's character because I saw a little bit of a place for him. He's been running and looking for yep. something. In, in the weirdest way possible, I was totally dissatisfied with it, but totally satisfied with it from the point of view of, like, I get it if I'm one of the writers on this show. Yep. I see where I'm going with this character, and I see where I'm like, okay, I need to eventually put this guy in a place where he belongs somewhere. Otherwise, he's just going to get boring. He's just going to be a drifter. Which is why I was kind of expecting it to then, for the shit to hit the fan. Yeah. Because I'm like, even, I just think he's one of those guys where even when he's trying to be responsible... It just goes horribly wrong. Yeah. Whether it's through his own fault or through the fault of something else. He's just not very lucky. Yeah. And I think he's just destined to have a life of chaos. Right. And constantly bouncing from place to place. Well, Luciana gets shot when the shit hits the fan. Yeah. Yeah, she does. I couldn't quite tell how badly she was shot. It looked like the shoulder, maybe. Yeah, it didn't seem particularly bad. I mean, it didn't. She seemed upright. She was able to move, so I don't think it was particularly extreme. And obviously, we were, and Nick was trying to find out when the guys came and shouted, "We've got a bleeder," um, which I think is quite interesting. And obviously, these guys, whoever they are, whether they're official American troops or whether they're militia or whether they're just right. a band of renegades, um, the, these guys they're finding are, are people coming over the border smeared in blood. Yeah. So it could have been, we're just going to kill all these Mexicans coming over the border. Or it could be, oh shit, there's a load of zombies. Right. Because they've all got zombie guts on their face. We better shoot them all. They don't really move like zombies, though. So these people opened fire on a group that like looked like they were moving like people. Um, I think that, that I think those yeah. guys are part of the helicopter group, and I think they're bad dudes. I think they're bad dudes. I think it's, this, it's a similar situation to what we've seen in a lot of these stories. Yeah. Walking Dead universe or others where it's like, a, a sort of military compound group of people who, you know, are sort of drunk with the power of controlling things and, and take what they want and kill people when they want to. I think if they had been good dudes, I think it would basically be a sign that the show is not going to go to a third season. Yeah. I think if they'd have wound it up where, you know, where Nick and all these other people had managed to find safety, I think we would have seen... Because I did wonder when Alejandro was being put down, where it was like, okay, that's nice. That's people finding some sort of quiet, some sort of solace. Yeah. Strand's gone. Ophelia's somewhere in America. And if that had been, a, okay, we could add if Nick and all these guys out. Yeah. That would have been a point where if it had, for some reason, turned out that the third season wasn't going to happen... It would have been an ending, perhaps the most, not most fulfilling ending. Yeah. But we would have known what happened to all these guys who left the compound. Yeah, it would have been something. That's, yeah. That's for sure. Um, but I think by the fact that it went horribly wrong. Yeah. They're bad dudes. Yeah. It and strengthens the chance that third season. Luciana might die. She, I, I don't think she will. I feel like she's... I don't think she will. I 
feel like she's a relevant character to the story. Well, we discussed this a couple of weeks ago where we said that there was going to have to be quite a few, you know, characters killed off or disappear off, etc., etc. And I think we said, but I think in order to, to see Nick's character carry on, you know, in any particular strong way, I think we need to have that union between him and, you know, Luciana yeah. to, to be able to, to do it, to have a relationship. I think they're going to be captive together. They're going to be held together here. So I think they do need that dynamic. I think probably all the other Mexicans are either dead or they're going to be captive. Yeah. I don't think we're going to see much from them much more now. Um, but I think certainly Nick, Nick and Nick and her, I think, are going to be fine. Yeah. I mean, she has been shot, so she's not okay. Right. But I think we will, we'll see them back. Yeah, and I mean, I think that pretty much wraps up everything. Yeah. Right? And did I forget anything? I don't think so. I mean... <sighs> It, it's we did predict that a lot of these characters were were going to come to some kind of end tonight. I mean, I think we knew that Alejandro was not going to make it yeah, through. Yeah, we knew he was going to die. We knew um, Chris was going to go. We knew Chris was going to go. Um, and whether yeah, Bromigos, they were never going to stick around. They yeah. were they were a one season MacGuffin. Also, there are quite a few characters in this that are quite dislikable. I think they wouldn't really want to have any more of those in there. And they were they were kind of a one trick pony. I'll be honest with you, I didn't think they were brilliant actors. I didn't think they were great actors, and I also thought that, like, I understand the reason to have characters like that in shows like this, but I also think that when characters feel that black and white to me... They were irredeemable assholes. Yeah. You couldn't really do a lot with them. None of them were going to switch sides and suddenly go, I'm going to amend my ways. I mean, Derek, who was the quiet one, was kind of a pussy, really, to be honest with you. Um, And Brandon was just completely unhinged. So we weren't going to see any of them do anything with that. Um, Ophelia, I would have liked to have seen more from her this episode. I think she was kind of for the last couple of episodes underplayed even if it wasn't doing anything particularly well just some more points on that journey for her but we know she's got to america we know this is moving back well they it was interesting it was definitely an interesting thing that they did once they killed daniel because uh with griselda dying early and then daniel dying she becomes a character who's on her own and she Mm. hasn't really formed a crazy strong alliance with any of the characters even like alicia she was kind of becoming close with but yeah aside from that she's just a character that's on her own so it makes sense to send her off on her own but i think to some degree they didn't really know what to do with her that's what it felt like to me and that's why i think she is on her own and you she may she may not last uh you may be right they may open the season i think they either didn't know what to do with her or they already kind of halfway through creating season two because obviously you know we knew that it was going to be a we knew quite early on in season two there was going to be a season three that was announced very shortly after it started so i think they might have gone okay if we can get one character that we can really develop in season three and give more of a pivot of a role who is the person that we can most likely take out of this equation of the group yeah and build a strong story around for for season three so who can we kind of underplay makes sense and waste and do that and i think that's that's where we're at at the moment what were your favorite scenes tonight in the show tonight yeah um i think my single favorites were i really really enjoyed the eye socket kill on the zombie that was sweet um i thought that was a great scene um i really enjoyed the scenes with strand talking to madison about travis Mm. i thought those were great just that uh both both the conversation about i used to see abigail out there it's a dark place and also like you're gonna leave with the man that abandoned you i thought those are great scenes um i one thing i didn't mention actually that i'm just remembering is that when nick goes to help cut the oxy yeah for alejandro i'm a little bit like roll of my eyes at this point where nick has now access to synthetic heroin Mm. and he's and he's cooking it He's sitting there cooking it for someone. Yep. And he's not messing with it. 
I feel like I just assumed that was something we were going to get by the end of the season. He's mm. going to relapse. It's not a very entertaining storyline, so I understand maybe that's the reason they don't want to give it to us. But from a believable point of view with the character, it's a hard pill to swallow, no pun intended. I think probably the reason they didn't do that was because if he started using again, he would have been a more erratic and unreliable character um, and kind of a... He, he, he's gone through that, and I think we'd see... We kind of had Chris for that. Yeah. You know, the swinging guy, the independent guy, the new that you guy that you know were gonna you know gonna do that kind of thing. So I think they couldn't have the two young male characters in it both both do it become unreliable. I think, and especially as Chris was so unlikable, they need to have a young male in there who was had some sort of potential of not being a massive a yeah. hole. Um, and I think that was just where they saw Nick going. And I think also Nick, you know, he's kind of thinking now he's got Luciana. Yeah. So if he does want to make a go of it with her, being high on yeah, it's not gonna work. smack might not be a winning quality. I think my third and last favorite scene, and this yeah. would be the one that really took the cake, is just the entire sequence with Travis flipping yeah. shit and killing those guys. Yeah. I mean, that's just, it was, it, from like I said, from the most sadistic point of view, what a satisfying turn for the show to take. Like, yeah, it just... It was beautifully choreographed from right from the first, almost like Columbo, like, one more thing. Yeah. Was he pulled out or did he die in there? Yeah, we knew it was. Um, they were so shit liars, the Bromigas. Yeah. The Bromigas were awful. Um, but oh, yeah. I liked it right through to the bit where they started knocking in the windows and there was the glass coming in. Yeah. And it was just the deadness of his face yep. I thought was genius. So yeah. um, that that and the eye gouging were my favourites, I think. Yeah. Yeah. gruesome stuff I love that yeah. but I, I was quite, I was wondering why they saved all of that for the last two episodes I totally because agree. they could have done I think it would have lifted a number of episodes there was just a little bit of that oh Jesus kind of level of well, walking gore Dead in there gets that that's the thing that, it that's, does that's the one that's the one major yeah. difference between the two shows that you're just like I don't get it is like it's exactly things like you're talking about it's super super gnarly like fights with deaths yeah. and zombie deaths and and zombie attacks. So yep. they're like, and maybe it's budget. I don't know, but they seem to spend a lot of money on the show and the makeup and the zombies. And so that I find that sort of surprising. But uh, all that being said, um, I think that kind of wraps us up. We will not do Carol Watch tonight because I feel like there's not. We've covered it so many times. Yeah, and I don't feel like there's any. There was any change tonight. So what do you want to see from season three? I would like. I would like to have a little more of a unified storyline, mm. and I would like to have a really, really, really strong new character. Like, a new villain would be great. Um, I think, you know, I think uh, we we had, like, a really good villain in this show yet. Yeah. In this one? The closest we've came to a really good villain was the woman in... The compound, and she was not good, and she was not good. Uh, I thought Alejandro might become a villain and have yep. some dark secret. I was kind of expecting that to come out tonight, yeah. That didn't happen, and Marco was pretty lame. And Marco, I'll be honest with you, he was not particularly scary, no, um, not menacing at all. So, um, yeah. neither were his henchmen, yeah. so it does lack that at the moment like a negan level villain that there seemed to be building with walking dead or even if it was like a, somebody within the group like what like if strand had had a really really bad guy turn mm. like that's what i think that i want the show to get is i want more of a unified location i think i, I would like to get out of mexico and get back to america it seems like that's where we're I think going that's where we're gonna see season three and yeah. uh yeah and i think i think that would be uh i think even someone the level of the governor 
Yeah, that the governor was a bad character was, in the end. But. Yeah, I think I'd like to see someone like that who has the potential. I think potentially where you don't know if they're bad. Yes. Or whether they're pretending to be bad for a reason to to do something. I think that might be quite fun for season three. I agree. But we do need to have something in there to step that up. And I'd like to see more gore in season three as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think going back to America is a good thing. I think that'll help the show a yep. lot. Um, I think it naturally had to do something because they're kind of, they've done the water, they've moved through Mexico, it has to go back to America. I am intrigued to see where it's going. Yeah, I'd agree. But uh, yeah. So. A strong finish, though. A great for the finale. season. I was totally For me, happy. it was a stronger ending to season two than there was for season one. And, uh, yeah, which is funny, it's the same director, actually. Uh, Stefan Schwartz directed nice. both the finale of season one and this finale. Excellent. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think this was one of the best episodes of the show so far. I was, I was satisfied. It, it, it intrigued me enough that I will excitedly tune back in for season three uh, when it opens up, which I think is six or seven months from now. I think so. Um, so do you want to see full season or do you want to see a shorter season like uh, season one? I would love to see a shorter season. Yeah. I would love to. It's stronger, shorter. I, I would I love to see a shorter season, and, and if they if they can develop those, these characters in the story to a little bit more of a cohesive point, where mm. I feel like it's really compelling us, I think you could re-expand it. But I think that this was a long season, and it had some weaker episodes. Yeah. And this was a reminder. This episode, how good the show can be, and how good of, good of storytellers these guys are. Good point. Jack was a villain. This is from Aaron Brody in the chat, and apparently also Daniel. Um, is going to make Galen Hurd has said that a the Daniel is going to reappear. He's not dead. No, he's not dead. Apparently, wow. And she would know. Yeah, I'm guessing. Absolutely. I, I did say previously that I thought he might not be dead. Gunner Gale, she's a genius. Nice work, Gale. Yeah. Um, guys, that's going to wrap it up for us, right? It is, yeah. So uh, that does it. Thank you so much for tuning in. Yes, thank you. For the full season. We had yeah. a blast. Uh, once again, guys, if you want to find either one of us, you can find me personally at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter and Instagram. Share your thoughts and uh, leave your thoughts in the comments below. More than happy to interact. This was an exciting episode. I'd love to hear your thoughts. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Showbiz Simon. And on Facebook, this is Simon Thompson. Ben, season three. Awesome time. Till next time. All right, guys. Take care. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. See you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.